I've decided that we really don't get along that well, so we should get a divorce and it should be fun. <laughs> we can just talk it out. Can you send me those rose-colored glasses when you're done wearing them? <laughs> Dear Shandy. Welcome back to Dear Shandy, listeners. Hello, Andy. Hello. How are you today? Doing okay. It's Hot Topic Day. Hot. Hot. And I've got to say, when I announced that we had this particular hot topic guest on, we were pretty overwhelmed with the response, actually. Yeah, I was surprised. People are very intrigued. Yeah, very intrigued. They had a lot of questions Mm -hmm, for you. mm -hmm. But before we introduce our lovely guest, I'm going to first rattle off some of her accomplishments. So Nicole Sodoma is a seasoned divorce attorney of over two decades, and she has personally gone through a divorce, which I think gives her a unique perspective here. She's the managing principal attorney at Sedoma Law based in and around Charlotte, North Carolina. And her debut book, Please Don't Say You're Sorry, an empowering perspective on marriage, separation and divorce from a marriage loving divorce attorney will be released on May 24th. And it provides insightful, empowering and at times hilarious perspectives on marriage and divorce as she recounts her own unique blend of personal and professional experiences. And she can be found on Instagram at at Nicole Sodoma, S-O-D-O-M-A. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome. Thanks, you guys. Are you going to say hot before my name? I mean, like <laughs> all those things that are hot. I was like, yes, I love it. <laughs> it's. I don't know why that began, but from the inception of this podcast, we had these hot topic episodes and Andy off the cuff was like, hot. And so now we're always like, hot topic. I, it cannot be explained. I'm not really sure why we do that. This is hot. It is very hot. And you are a hot guest in more ways than one. And we're so excited that we can pick your brain today. Thank you for joining us. Awesome. Thanks, you guys. You know, I don't know, as you're doing your intro, I'm thinking, gosh, it's, I guess my perspective is not unique because I got divorced because so many people get divorced. But you know, it was when I got divorced that I was like, oh my gosh, 20 something years of being a divorce lawyer. Having grown up, and the only thing I ever knew was divorce, I came from a very, I say, a very divorced family, where that was my normal, and then all these years of practicing in this area, and then I got divorced and thought, wow, there are so many things that my clients have not told me over the years, and even worse, there's so many things that attorneys don't tell their clients for good reason, but I saw it so clearly when I went through my own divorce. So. It was, I know. I, well, I love how open you are about that side of things because I do think, like, how can that not give you perspective that the next divorce attorney who's never been divorced might have? It's so interesting. But just so you know, with our hot topics, we generally gauge based on our listeners, the Shandies, what they want us to talk about. And sometimes when we have a hot topic guest on, for example, we had a sex therapist on Mm -hmm. and we have, Questions that can range from what's your unique perspective, like what we call them as confessions, like your personal story. And then another column is what are general questions about what you do? And for example, the sex therapist was pretty even across the board. I would say the family and marriage therapist predominantly in general questions. They didn't really care about her personal experience. (laughs) Meanwhile, with you, it was another Mm 50-50. A lot of people want to know about your personal experience, how it has shaped how you view marriage. And then, of course, a lot of people wanted some legal advice as well. (laughs) 
I'll do my best to make sure I get it all. Okay, great. So we're going to start off in the confessions category, just to get to know you a bit. We just want to know, did you always want to be a divorce lawyer and how you ended up in this field? As a no. six-year-old, <laughs> I want to be a divorce lawyer. Can you imagine? No, I want, when I was six, I wanted to be a, a child psychologist. Because oh. I didn't know what the hell was going on in my house. And I figured that that person probably would. And I did not want to be a divorce lawyer. Um, I actually didn't know that I wanted to be a lawyer at all. I went to school to be a doctor and uh, made a C. I mean, I went through high school in three years. I was so ambitious. I wanted to go on to um, medicine. And um, I, got a, I got a C in microbiology. The lady's name was Dr. Morrison. I will never forget it. And I thought, well, no good doctor makes a C in micro. So <laughs> junior year in college, I switched my major. Um, I uh, took a year off to sell copiers and then applied to law school wow. because I didn't, I didn't know what else I was going to do in my life. Wow. And uh, the, it actually went with the intention of doing something behind the scenes of, that would relate to like the First Amendment or I dreamed of being behind the scenes for ESPN, you know. Wow. Uh, negotiating contracts and things like that with athletes because I thought that sounded really cool. And I grew up with a bunch of brothers, so like they would like me more, I think, <laughs> if I did something like that. So uh, I didn't, that was going to be my plan. And I sort of fell into family law, which is another way to say divorce law, divorce mm. attorney. All those words are interchangeable. Okay. So you fell into it. Uh, I'm curious if you could go back and choose another field, would you? And if so, what would it be? Just out of curiosity. I don't know if it would be the law. Can I do something else? (laughs) (laughs) It can absolutely be something else. (laughs) You know, I really do love advocacy for others. Uh, Mm. But it comes in so many shapes and forms. So, I mean, literally, there's a post on my Instagram right now. I decided about two weeks ago that I was going to um, collect clothes with a girlfriend of mine who used to own a yoga studio. She's teaching at a YMCA and there are a ton of underprivileged children that don't have clothes. And so we, over the last two weeks, decided we were going to collect. And that's a whole nother type of advocacy. Mm. So I don't know that um, if somebody had said to me when you, this is a real confessional, that <laughs> when you decide to be a lawyer that bills hourly, that you're going to spend your day by the 10th of the hour Like, I might not have done that. I didn't even wear a watch. Mm. So, you know, um, but there are lawyers come in lots of forms and shapes and sizes and areas of practice, and it's not a one-size-fits-all. They don't teach you that in law school. They just, you know, everybody walks out with a Juris Doctor, and then you figure out what area of practice that you like most. And uh, the reason I say I kind of fell into family law is it it was really the only thing I really understood and knew. And when someone would talk to me about divorce and custody and domestic violence, those were things that I could easily have relatable conversations about. So it wasn't something that seemed far away. It was something where you actually could see your advice uh, play into different roles. So, um, I mean, it it is a pretty thankless area because you're meeting people – when they are at their worst, mm-hmm. I mean, they really, most people that are going through a divorce are in a complete fog and you're trying to help them, I hate to use the word navigate because it sounds so lawyerly, <laughs> but you're trying to help them find some peace in the moment 
but prepare them for what's going to happen next. Mm. So there really are, and they're usually in, you know, dealing with some of the worst stuff that they ever had to deal with. So I love it now, but I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I think everyone at some point is like, I wonder if I could go back in time. If I could go back in time, I think I would do something else. I don't know. I don't, want, do? I don't want to be presented with a choice. It's too stressful. Andy gets, Andy gets stressed about the idea of going back in time because he's yeah, like, well, there's too many things I need to do. He's like, do I, I know back in time what I know now? Like, yeah. that's just a stupid question. I'm good. I, I just like to know where the, wherever the cards fall, I'm good. Mm. Whatever happens. You don't go back. And I think that if you, you've helped a lot of people. A lot of people, whether they at the end of your engagement are like, thank you. This is a great product you have given me. Whether they say that or not, you have really helped people because I have always said that divorce, I, I say that, okay, well, this is what I've always said. I don't know what <laughs> I always said. Always I don't said know this? if I said this. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. But, but I've always thought that divorce, the things that you spend the most money on are the most valuable things. The things, right? People spend all their hard-earned money on. Mm-hmm. On a house. Yeah, a house, mm-hmm. a, a Fam- car. Raising a family. You know, some huge vacation, uh, some, you know, a emergency operation that saves your life. But divorce is the most expensive thing in the world. It's the thing people spend the most money well, on. Let's ask the divorce attorney, is divorce one of the most expensive things in the world, do you think? Oh, gosh. Uh, financially and emotionally, it would have to be up there. That's an honest answer. It's as complicated and as expensive as the parties who are engaged and the attorneys they select. Mm-hmm. You know, I press really hard on uh, don't pick me for because you think you're supposed to pick me. Pick me because you know that I'm the voice that you want to hear because I'll be the one advocating for you. I say this, I mean, there are 22 lawyers in our practice and the most, most of us, this is all we do. So it's really, it might not be me. It might be, you know, the girl or guy or the person down the hall. So you really have to pick somebody that you connect with, that you can trust. You're going to have to tell that person like things that you never thought you'd have to say out loud. Mm. And then you're going to have to hope that they can take what you're saying because we don't create the facts, right? So we have to understand everything so that we can protect, defend, advocate, all of those, you know, fancy legal words. Um, so if you pick somebody who's super litigious and the only way they know how to resolve things is in a courtroom, you can bet that it's going to be more expensive and that it's going to be a marathon. It's definitely not a sprint. Mm-hmm. And the same goes with the opposing counsel. So, you know, if I have somebody come in and we're sitting at the table and I find out that their spouse, soon to be ex-spouse, hired somebody who only knows how to litigate, meaning they don't want to resolve it in other ways because there are other ways to resolve divorces, that it's going to be more expensive. Somebody who's hiding money or that you don't know where your bank accounts are or what credit cards exist or passwords. So if you are prepared and you I always say, like, get your head out of the sand a little bit, Mm. Uh, and do some work, you're going to reduce your cost, but it's such a, um, there's so many different factors that could play into how much and how long. Mm-hmm. And if you tell somebody, if, if, I always say like, if a lawyer tells you that, um, it's going to be easy or cheap, <laughs> um, or that they know exactly how much it's going to cost. Usually I say you should go in the other direction, like pick somebody else. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it's just things you can't predict. But that's, the, it's not only the legal costs, it's also the actual potential asset loss. I mean, the, the amount of money that divorces can cost, particularly one party, is staggering. 
And it must be so good, divorce. It must be so good <laughs> to be willing to put that much of your wealth into it. I, I, I'm not kidding. What do people spend more on? Like, like Jeff Bezos, yeah. what is he ever going to spend more on in his life than that divorce? I'm not saying that he, you know, directed that one. I think that was put upon him for things he may have done, allegedly. <laughs> but I just, I'm just saying, you are providing a service to give someone the best path forward for the most expensive thing they will ever do. Mm. And for that reason, you are, you are a very, a very important person in society and you should be very happy about what you do and you should have no regrets. <laughs> No regrets. I don't. I am all good. And I like that you added in the third facet because I immediately jumped to legal fees and emotional toll because those are the things we think of the most because, you know, the law is what the law is is as it relates to like how we divide things. Mm -hmm. So whether it's financial support or the division of assets, but you know, you're totally right. That's the, to me, that was like, that's the third and very obvious one that you're willing to sacrifice everything you've invested and saved, um, like you said, the most expensive things you have, and that will soon change. And if uh, uh, just to further this analogy, if an alien from another planet came to Earth <laughs> and he did some observation, he would say, let's see, what do they spend the most of this thing on, this thing that they all want? What do they spend the most of it? Oh, they spend on divorce. This divorce must be amazing. <laughs> I, am, I want to experience divorce, and then I want to go back to my planet. That's what would happen. I haven't had any aliens lately, but I hear you. <laughs> yes. You'll soon learn that Andy will have an analogy for everything. Yes, I do. <laughs> so speaking of, you were talking about, I'm going to start going out of order, which I love to do because I love to just go in the direction the conversation takes us. And you mentioned how, you know, having your ducks in a row, not having your head in the sand and all these things can affect not only how much your divorce will cost, but how long it will take. If you had to say the average length of, of a divorce from first day to the end to its being closed, is there an average length of time? This mm. was a question no. I was asked. No. No. Wow. It depends on your state. Okay. That's first. Um, it depends on your state. It depends on the side, your state as in, you know, what state you're in. I would say also it depends on your emotional state. Mm hmm mm. And I say it like that because in order to resolve issues, there has to be some sort of disclosure between the two of you, uh, with or without counsel. And so if you're hiding things, no one can provide guidance. Hmm. So if you know, I mean, I, this just happened to me the other day. Um, I uh, had a client, They uh, we got a re request to produce documents. Well, if I sit on it or the same thing happens to... Um, the other party, if you sit on a document request for three months, well, you've just totally changed the timeline. Right, right, Oof. right. So there, when, and when I talk about the timeline of divorce, I'm not talking about just the actual legally ending of your marriage, mm -hmm. because that in itself is like a, a punctuation mark. I'm talking about all the things that often go with divorce, how we divide our stuff, whether support is to be paid, whether it's spousal support or child support. And of course, the big issue of custody. Mm. So when I use the word divorce, I, I think of all of those things. So if you see um, there's a, um, a lady near Atlanta, she has a billboard and she's such a sweet looking lady. Like, I don't know. I just think that she should model for sweet clothes or something. I don't know. But she's so gentle looking. And it says simple divorces. And she has some 
super cheap number. I, I don't know what she's doing. That's it's cheaper than the filing fee with the state. Like, oh my God, what are you doing? Um, she is she is not doing any of the. She's not doing the hard stuff. I don't know who she is, but she's not doing the hard stuff. The that legally ending your marriage, and each state has a period of time in which you have to be separated. So that goes to the bigger picture. Like, what's the average time? Well, what state are you in? Look at how long you have to be separated before you can be legally divorced. And then also, you know, think outside of the idea of just being unmarried. Think of all the issues that go along with it. That brings me to another question that was asked, actually. If you get married in one state, but then proceed to reside in another, are you obeying the divorce laws of the state in which you Mm. reside? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Just curious. Yes. Now, sometimes people will have a prenuptial agreement or a postnuptial agreement, which is basically... It's a similar contract, but you sign it after you're married and before you separate. And uh, that might guide you on what state laws you're to follow when you separate. Okay. So my, my caveat is you ha- in order to, when you get, it is a state you reside. And uh, the caveat is just, are there any contracts that you sign before or during your marriage? Okay. Prenups, we will definitely circle back to. Can I ask a quick prenup question just to clear the air on on some statistical issues? So um, I am a firm believer that a prenup puts you in a much higher percentage category for getting divorced. That's just a a feeling I have. So I want to know from you if you could give me a ballpark percentage of the divorces you deal with that have prenups. (laughs) Ballpark. Just give me ballpark. Very few of them. <gasps> I am wrong. <laughs> Very few of them. Wow. wow. It, I am yes, wrong. Well, and and it, very few of them. It's it's huh. strange. Okay. I um as emotional and hard as it is to sign. Kind of, how many times have I said the word emotional, you guys? <laughs> like I just. It's, I feel like it's I'm, fitting. I'm, there's I'm no real synonym for it. There There's is no, no synonym. real synonym. It's emotional is emotional. That's it. It's one word. Yes. Okay. The people you marry are not the people you divorce. Mm-hmm. And so if you're afraid or uncomfortable about talking about money and finances and plans, or maybe you just don't feel you know, good about that area because you're not, um, well, just because you're not comfortable because you didn't grow up with a family that taught you budgets and that kind of thing. Um if have the uncomfortable conversations now so that you are better prepared to have those conversations when you're married and somebody loses a job or somebody wants to go buy a new car or somebody has to move. Cause those are all, if you think of your marriage as a business, you are literally going into business with someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I mean, this, I think the scariest part about divorce is that it takes, I mean, it takes you, when you get married, the both of you are coming together and you're saying, Together, we're making this decision. It takes two people to make the decision, but it only takes one of you to change your mind. Mm-hmm. And so if you know that going into it, you say, why am I, I, I can buy insurance for my car, insurance for my life, insurance for disability, insurance with you get it, like all these things you insure in the event something happens. Hopefully you don't need it. Hopefully that insurance policy, you just renew it every year, write the check or whatever. Um, that's how I see a premarital agreement. Well, I, I mean, I agree with you in theory, but I don't have a romantic relationship with a car. The car doesn't care if I get insurance on it. Well, you a woman met, may. 
you, you haven't met my Stella. I have, <laughs> just kidding. I do. <laughs> Stella is the name of my car. I, I, I got that. Yeah. <laughs> she. That's a good name, <laughs> Stella. I, yeah, she, you're right. I did discount the potential emotional relationships some people have with their cars, but my my, I just feel like you know it's not a it's well, not the most romantic move, but I get it. Well, I we're gonna it. circle back to prenups. Get I don't want to get, get okay. All right. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number. Thousands of people try to call. I talk to one of them. They stay anonymous. I can't hang up. That's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. Crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh. Somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today. Beautiful Anonymous. Obviously, this next question was the most asked question, mm-hmm. and I'm Ooh. sure you get asked this on a daily basis. Everyone wanted to know what are the top reasons, and if you could list three, maybe top three reasons you see for divorce. Or can we do a family feud situation oh, where we, we guess? guess? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good oh, yeah, idea. Yeah. Okay, okay, we're going to okay. do like that. that. Okay, and you have to okay. think of the, the percentage of the survey that each answer gets. So think of that. Okay, <laughs> I'm going okay. first. You go first. Okay. Basic compatibility. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Good, 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 good. <laughs> Mark zero. Whoa. Ah, good try, good try. Okay, okay you go. Okay, now go. <laughs> Infidelity. Give me the applause. Oh, I deserve applause. That's a good yeah, answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a good answer. Thank you. 65. Whoa. Oh, what? Wow. Nice. 65 people come- in this survey answered. Infidelity. 65. Does that sound like him? Yeah, it's pretty good. We don't we don't need that, uh, Nicole. Oh, You're just just the numbers. I need to I need to work on that voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, money. Twenty. Okay. 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 Now now that, now we've won the family much. feud. I think yeah. so. You can give us the, yeah. the third answer. Give us the last fifty. Addiction, addiction, and abuse. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. And okay. I'll put like addiction, abuse with a tag on a mental health. So, because they often all go together, lump, lump together. So, um, yeah, hmm. those, I, that would put those three, those as the top three. Wow. Uh, yeah. I can't, I'm Infidelity. shocked. I thought compatibility or just basic. <laughs> <laughs> how cute. How naive of me. Those are the really amicable ones that resolve in mediation because they both have mature understandings of their needs and communications mm-hmm. and they're yeah. able to say, um, it's okay. We can be great. If you have kids together, we can be great parents, but not great spouses. And that's acceptable. Right. But we just don't see that many of those, um, of those cases. Hmm. Yeah. I wish we saw more. I wish we saw more, but we, we just don't less, less, less than I thought. I'm fascinated by this. Yeah. Infidelity, 65. I bet in other countries, like like in Italy, they're like, yeah, it's all right. You know, he has different girls. Maybe that's a very American reason. Yeah. In Italy, it's like 3%. <laughs> okay, so I'm curious, what percentage of the, of course, you know, an approximate percentage of the divorces you've handled, would you estimate were amicable versus contentious? Because you said, you mentioned amicable. I'm just curious, is there a ratio there? So I guess we would have to, oh, this is going to sound such a good lawyer. I guess we'd have to define the word amicable. (laughs) So when you say amicable, I immediately jump to like, okay, well, how do we define amicable? Because like if we're Clinton, right? I mean, it's all in how you define the word. (laughs) 
right? Do you yeah. remember that? I mean, uh, no, I mean, I... that was okay. Just checking. I, I was, was a checking. hit with him. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, in true lawyer fashion, we have to look at like the definition of amicable because um, a lot of cases do not make it to the courtroom, and I would call those cases amicable because they don't put themselves in a position for somebody that they don't know to make a decision about mm. their future, their kids. So amicable is when you can resolve it out of court. You, it might be, uh, you might be aggressive. You might be uh, assertive in your position, but staying out of court, uh, is to me an amicable resolution. It's not perfect, but if you're using a mediator or an arbitrator or, um, resolving small issues along the way and leaving the big stuff, um, for the people that can help you through it, I call that amicable because mm. When you separate, you are no longer, um, you're no longer rooting for us. Mm-hmm. You're rooting for you, children, pets, things, future, but it doesn't necessarily include the other person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It becomes you versus them. Yeah. So let's say you define amicable that way. What percentage <laughs> of them do you think are amicable? Half. Half. Mm. Okay. I would probably say half. In fact, remember how I said, like, there are a bunch of issues that go inside the idea of divorce. Mm -hmm. So the division of property in my state does not make it to the courtroom very often. Most of those cases settle. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm in the biggest jurisdiction in my state. And I mean, our percentages are like 95% of the division of assets of that claim, which we call equitable distribution. And there's some ver- version of that everywhere, I think, um, that those uh, resolve themselves before they make it into the courtroom. Because, and I'm not kidding, like not everybody wants to fight over the value of a hairdryer. Mm. <laughs> or the bathroom mats or, you know. Yeah the steak knives that they got for a wedding present. But on the other, like also people do. So, you know, you wouldn't be, I mean, I, it's uncanny. 50%. I actually was expecting it to be a higher percentage. Oh yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. I don't know. I was expecting it to be like 80%. It's settled. Yeah. Oh, really? Like it never oh. makes it to the courtroom. The court very, just very seems, rosy outlook. On I, I know. That's what I'm learning about myself here yeah. is that I'm like, it's incompatibility. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I've decided that we really don't get along that well. So we should get a divorce and it should be fun. <laughs> we can just can talk you, it out. Can you send me those rose colored glasses when you're done wearing them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know how valuable they are, honestly. Okay. So next question. I, it's a two-parter. Okay. A is what's the most common thing that couples fight over in a divorce? Like if you had to distill it down to one thing, I'm sure there's a long list. And then B is what has been the most surprising thing or shocking thing to you that you've seen a couple fight over? Uh, the most shocking thing, it, it, I think it mostly surprises me that people will fight over things that have, that don't mean anything. Mm. Like they will fight over hair dryers or, uh, worn down bicycles or plants. I mean, it's, and then, and, and some, in some cases, if you can't agree on the value of those items, you can like auction for them. 
like have a person, like, what are you willing to pay? So you guys can try this. So like pick a pillow behind you and you want that pillow. And uh, I don't know where you got the pillow from, but let's say it's marital and you both are entitled to that pillow. You're not going to cut the pillow in half with a pair of scissors. <laughs> so who's going to get the pillow? How much did you pay for it? That's not going to be the value. So let's say you pay $30 for the pillow. If you're going to sell it at a yard sale, I really want the pillow. So I'm going to say that I could get $3 at the yard sale. Well, you're, you might say, no way. I can sell that pillow for $12 at a yard sale. Well, how bad do you want the pillow? Are you going to buy, 12, buy it for $12? And then it, like that, that is really what happens. Wow. Jeez, if if that... people can't resolve, now we call them like tangible items, like the stuff that surprises me the most. And maybe it's cause I'm, I'm not, I'm not emotionally attached to very, a, a lot of stuff. Except, except Stella. Stella. I... <laughs> Come on, Stella. She, she got her groove back. You get it now? <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. I'm now yes. looking around the apartment I trying to decide. I know what pillow I would take. I mean, there's no question. There's a clear winner there. The polka dot. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, I would happily Aww. give that pillow I would pay $5 for that Even pillow. though I did buy that pillow from an anthropology <laughs> for sale. For about 30 bucks. Yeah, but it was mm. discounted and you never would have found that pillow if it weren't for I will me. pay $5 for that pillow. Will you pay more than that? No, you can have the pillow. All right. See, that was easy. <laughs> I don't want the pillow. So easy. But so you guys did a great job at that. Thank you. I'm, I'm so proud of you. We're very good at conflict resolution. <laughs> Thank you. Good. Okay. So the I most think you could model behavior. <laughs> <laughs> so what is the most common thing then you would say that you see people fight over? I'm assuming property. Oh, no. Probably kids. Kids. Oh, yeah. Kids. kids. Andy has a funny question about this. I do have a, uh, it's funny, but also it's a real question. I was just wondering, like, you, they always talk about divorces being so heated over the custody, like, you know, right. so they're fighting like to the death. There's even like, you know, sometimes you even hear about people getting murdered over this stuff. Is there ever a case where, you know, both parents are kind of just like, eh, you can have, you can have the kids. <laughs> Does that never happen? Yes. No, that happens. Oh, Wow. Oh my it, it, God! It, it, I was I, laughing because I assumed that was a ridiculous question. No, I didn't. I didn't think it was ridiculous. But I'm, I'm, first of all, like there are just people who don't love kids. I mean, that's just it's life. There, but you also associate the kids with a divorce too. In some cases, where you just wanted to like extricate yourself completely from mm -hmm. that whole situation. I Do would you, imagine. Have you found? I would that? imagine. Well, I'd say. Um, First, like think about the age of the kids, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, a lot of times, how much do the kids know and what kind of impact or what is being communicated by one parent to the kids that's not being communicated by them? There's so many, uh, gosh, there's so Variables. many levels of this. Oh, my gosh. But on occasion, you will have two people who just say, like, whatever you want. Know whatever you want. Know whatever. Like... It's, they just need a No, nah, you go ahead. No, 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 really, really, <laughs> it's fine. Oh, no, 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 really, no, please, please, please. Now, that, I have not had that case before. I, all my clients are perfect. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, we all have our level of dysfunction, but, um, but I have heard of that through mediators who were sharing, you know, um, in education courses. And I'm also, um, not every state has this, but I'm a parenting coordinator. And a parenting coordinator is... A neutral. I just, I'm just throwing this in, you guys. I'm sorry. Um, it's a it's a really unique circumstance where you have a person 
who is uh, certified to help parents reduce conflict. Ooh. Certified. It's loose, right? Um, but I have to take a series of courses and it gives me tips on how to reduce conflict between parents who are in high conflict custody cases. Oh, wow. And so I act Oof. like a neutral. And so you get to see, well, it's kind of cool because you get to see both parents' perspective. Mm-hmm. But the only thing you're after is making sure that what is in the children's best interest happens. Gotcha. And, uh, and whatever behavior each of the parents throws at you or throws at the kids, you actually have, you know, a direct access to the courtroom. So you can say to the judge in a really neutral way, like, this is what I'm observing. Because people forget, and the reason that kids, I think, too, it's such a conflict, it's such a high conflict situation is because you go to the courtroom, it's not like you're there for a week to talk about what happened when someone was three years old. It's, you know, you get a finite amount of time to present what you have to a judge, and then the judge has to make a decision. So what feels like what you're waiting on this day in court, if you have this really high conflict thing, it might not really feel like a day in court. Mm. And I kind of I talk about that a lot in the book because I had a, a doc once I represented this uh, doctor and we walked out, we went we were in the courtroom and uh, we won and we walked out and this man walked up to me and he said, hey, Mr. Doma, can I get your business card? I just heard you argue. And my doc, who I've been representing for a long time, not my personal doc, but my client who was a doctor, he said, hey, Nicole, did we just win? yeah yeah buddy we did we won so you know (laughs) that's a super cute story actually really says something about perspective yeah next question has a couple ever reached your office but ended up changing their minds what percentage of the marriages that get to the point where they're meeting you actually don't go through with it it's a very small percentage Mm -hmm. like (laughs) 0.5 i I'd give it like a 3%. I put four couples back together last year. Wow. I love it. I'm a marriage, love, and divorce attorney. Divorce is not right for everybody. You got to work at it, right? Mm-hmm. But, and I say like the first half of the book, it will, it, it will encourage you to stay married. Mm-hmm. It's about, it is about mm-hmm. marriage and the work that you have to put into it and the resources and I really always say, like, I might scare you into staying married. Um, and, and I'm okay with that because, you know, marriage is hard and divorce is hard, too. So it's a small percentage. I usually can tell when I'm meeting with them if they're just in there for an education, if they're with me for an education, like in the event it happens, um, or they really know that's the path they want to take. And I can usually figure that out by the end. Mm-hmm. And then I usually joke, I'm like, there's something you haven't told me. And in about 36 hours, <laughs> you're going to call me and you're going to tell me what it was. And so for that, I will give you my mobile number. And usually that's what happens. Oh, wow. Crafty. That is crafty. Yeah. And there's something about being given the mobile number that feels very, like, oh, yeah. it just feels very personal. <laughs> yeah. That, you feel obligated. Yeah, that's a good technique. I like that. Okay. What is the most romantic thing you've ever seen during a divorce? Oh, yeah. I don't know. I have seen people hug at the beginning of mediation and at the end. I, I don't see that very often. It's a hot scene. <laughs> okay. Okay. So there's never any grand gesture of affection during a divorce. Just okay. start making out in the middle of the <laughs> No. I mean, um, one of the other lawyers, um, the judge ordered opposing party to pay her and he had to pay her like $1,300 and he sent her, maybe it was 13000 It was whatever it was. It was three trips by the FedEx guy. He spent more in postage. 
He sent it to her in pennies. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Oof, I mean, yes. Okay. So I'm I'm gonna go with that's a romantic gesture to your lawyer because it it means like you kick some ass, right? Yeah. Yeah. Kicked almost too much ass. Yeah. 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 It's so true. You you pissed somebody off big time. Yeah. Mm. Wow. You did your job. It's high level spite. Yeah. Right there. I like it. Yeah. I'm into that. That's a good yeah. story. Yeah. Okay. How is debt calculated during the divorce? And I'm sure there might be two parts. Like, let's say one is student debt that you accrued before you got married. And then another one is like debt you might have accrued together. Okay. This is state specific. Okay. So you should check with your state because um, in general, there are some lines in the sand that people should know. And that is date of marriage and date of separation. Um some states continue, you can continue to accrue debts or assets until you're actually divorced. But remember, when you're set, like that separation date is a line in the sand. So I, you know, it's kind of a three-step process. Um, in general, when we're talking about division of assets, we're also talking about division of debts. And so knowing those dates on a timeline is really helpful in order to figure out what's mine, what's yours, and what's ours. Hours, mm. sorry, hours. So, um, so those are the steps I would take, and I would look at your state for specific rules about what's a, uh, what is a joint debt versus a separate debt. I'm sure because how it's titled may not be. I mean, in North Carolina, uh, without an agreement in place, any debt you incur before at date of, uh, from the date of marriage to the date of separation is considered marital debt, regardless of who incurred it. Mm. Mm. So, and there are other states that are like ours. So even if, you know, if you go out and buy a vehicle and you finance it and it's only in your name, the debt is only in your name in, uh, in this state and other states, it is still a marital asset and a marital debt. Mm. So it's not necessarily about title. It's, I mean, I would look more to when it was incurred or earned. If let's say, uh, Theoretically, let's say a man <laughs> purchased a very large ticket item without telling his oh, wife and like got a, a, a yeah, a very <laughs> yeah, gold-plated pillow <laughs> and got a very large loan to finance that purchase and never spoke a word of it to his wife and they got divorced, she could be half responsible for that. It depends on what money was used. So, you know, we I think about like in my state um if you used money that 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 the other person was it was half of their money anyway, it is a continues to be a marital asset or a marital debt. Ooh. I had a feeling this was going to be a case by case answer, yeah. but wow, it gets really complicated. Yeah, wow. Huh. So I've had a case. You know, we talk about this postnuptial agreements. Uh, the the t- some of the times when I see people come in, it's they just discovered that the other party had incurred a whole shit ton of debt that they didn't know about. Mm. And so they said, I will stay with you. But so long as you understand that even though I'm half responsible for this debt, it is your legal responsibility. Mm-hmm. And so it is not part of our equation. Now I'm going to get over it because I know it's not my responsibility. Now I'm going to focus on our marriage. Right. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, I think that's fair. Very pragmatic. I would think. Yeah. Okay, so that brings us back to another complicated one. So back to prenups, which mm. was also a very hot, a hot topic yes. when we hot. were polling our listeners. Do you 
generally think they're always a good idea? Do you recommend them for all couples? Do you think that there's a threshold for for assets or wealth where it's necessary or you would recommend it? Or just a discrepancy, your, I guess. Yeah. Generally, what are your general thoughts on prenups? I uh, tell teenagers that if they're not comfortable going into the drugstore and buying a condom, they shouldn't be having sex. Mm. <laughs> So if you're going to go into business someone with someone, why are we not doing a contract? Uh, and if we're going to get married, we are going into business with someone. We have to be comfortable talking about these things. The question I like the most about premarital agreements is we really don't have anything. So what is there to divide? And that is so thinking in the moment. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not thinking in the moment when, I, when I'm working on a premarital agreement. I'm thinking way down the road in the event. And uh, I can't assume that they're going to be living in the state that I am in at that time, but it's nice to be able to understand what would happen in the event. Now, hopefully the whole thing uh, gets drafted, signed, they get married happily ever after. That's what I'd like to see. Hopefully it goes into a a safe um, or goes back, you know, fully executed to the lawyer. Um, But, uh, and you never have to see them again, but I support the idea of a premarital agreement. Okay. So, and I think this kind of goes back to um, you can only control you, which to me is, I mean, it, it seems so simple that you only can control you. But when your spouse comes home and says, I met someone, I've evolved and I can't grow anymore in this relationship. I mean, oh, I just don't want to be married anymore. It, it, you have no choice in that. Mm. You can't agree or disagree. Uh, and once that, once that starts, you have to be prepared for what that looks like on the other side. And it might not be your choice. So, you know, I, it's a little bit of control, not a lot, but it's a little bit of control, uh, in your partnership. I, I hear what you're saying, but when I went into marriage, and this is a testament to how wonderful like, my wife is. I hear is. what you're saying. Yeah, but I'm going to dismiss everything you just said. I felt that I wanted to, to lock the gate and throw away the key. Because I'm like, I, first of all, I waited quite some time to get married. And I, yes. I, I said to myself, I'm not going to F this up. And even if I, have an, if I have the slightest bit of an out, I know that I'll, you know, I'll have that option to be like, well, I could F this up and I have that out. I didn't even want it. I want it to be locked. The gate is locked. It's never being opened. I don't have a blowtorch. I don't have a key. I got nothing. And that's just the way I feel people should go into marriage. Not because that's the way people should go into marriage, but that's the way people should think about marriage. They shouldn't go into marriage. It's like, hey, we had great sex. We had a good vacation. You know, I like you. Let's get married. No, you have to say this is forever and there's no out. And that's my belief. So, so yes, you're right that prenups... In a, if marriage is a legal contract, yes, you are right. They're 100% <laughs> right. But if people had more mature and, and uh, pragmatic and, and emotionally connected decision-making processes in getting married, I think prenups would not be something that you would need. Eh, just my soapbox. I would, I would love to hear the experts I would also rebuttal. love to hear that too. The rebuttal, please, ma'am. <laughs> I uh, love the way you think about marriage. And since I'm a marriage-loving divorce attorney, it is um, it brings me much joy to hear <laughs> you talk about marriage and love. 
Um, and I, <laughs> in my confessions, I would have to say that I was probably the least likely person to ever think about getting divorced. Hmm. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I grew up with all of this turmoil and chaos and uh, divorce and blended families. And oh my gosh, my normal was so not normal. But uh, I learned from all that. And oh my gosh, the things I've heard from uh, clients over the years, I've learned so many lessons from them. I mean, I've taught, they've taught me more than I've taught them, I'm guessing. And so I thought I was really well equipped. And I wholeheartedly can say in my confession that I spontaneously combusted. Oh, wow. Like, didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. And uh, is when it came out of my mouth and I, could, I couldn't take it back. And then this roller coaster of freedom and grief began. Mm -hmm. And no one described it to me like that. They, you know, they would come in my office 20 something years. They come in my office and they would be um, either totally put together or totally falling apart or somewhere in the middle. But no one had described it to me that in a single minute you can feel so free and so, I mean, the, the guilt, the grief, mm -hmm. the freedom, mm -hmm. especially as a parent. Um, so, I can't guarantee that your beautiful wife is not going to spontaneously combust one day, and that is not your choice to make. Mm. So that's like my Debbie Downer part, you know? Like mm. I, I, I didn't, know. I didn't think of that part. I thought I was in control of the situation. Now I suddenly realize you know? I'm not. Well, I think yes. it really at the heart of it is no one gets married thinking they're going to get divorced. Yeah. It's really fascinating. It's kind of it's a psychological thing yeah, because. It is. I think if you were to poll the people getting married, they would all say there's a 0% chance. Yeah, like, I don't think any, sure, maybe 5% of people got kind of pressured into it or whatever, but I would think that almost everyone who really goes through with marriage really thinks they're never getting divorced. It's it's sweet, though. Like, you're, Andy's a real romantic, if you can't tell. So he loved the idea of just <laughs> prenup what? <laughs> okay. Hey, love. Yeah. Ding. <laughs> okay. Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number, thousands of people try to call, I talk to one of them, they stay anonymous, I can't hang up, that's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. Crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh, somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today, Beautiful Anonymous. Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number, thousands of people try to call, I talk to one of them, they stay anonymous, I can't hang up, that's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. Crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh, somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today, Beautiful Anonymous. So that brings me to my next question. And this was pretty frequently asked too. ages. I want to know if you see like that, that it's predominant. Let's, oh, you know what we'll do is another family feud. Oh, good. Okay. So yeah. we're going to do, we're going to guess the age ranges from most likely to least likely. And then you're going to give us percentages. Okay. You can go first this time and let's do like 25 to 34, 35 to 44. I'm not so sure this is a family feud situation. Why? Because well, you think it's obvious? It's just a little, it's a, okay, we could do it. It's a little, well, uh, I was going to say, you know, more than the people's age, the length of the marriage is what I often 
look at more than, because people are getting married at all different ages now. It's not like, you know, we had that trend for a while where people were getting married right out of school. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, you know, in my generation, uh, people are getting married later. So, um, but I will tell you that 10 to 13 years is, is pretty hot. Really? Mm. Yeah. 10, Mm. uh, let's go 11 to 14. That little window I, I, we don't see very, I don't see very many seven year itches. Wow. Andy. We just hit eight. We, well, no, we've hit eight years of knowing each other, seven years of marriage. That means we still, we got, got a look on the horizon here. We're not even really, yeah, we're right at the seven year itch. We're at the point where she's, it's like a joke. She's like seven year itch. I know. Yeah, we're amateurs. Yeah. (laughs) We We were all proud of ourselves. I'm sitting here on my soapbox. I don't need a prenup. (laughs) I'm going to be like in a cardboard box in like three years, according to her. Well, you know, I listed some of my favorite resources for keeping a healthy marriage in the book. Okay, okay. Well, we're going to get to advice in one second, but just so that I know. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I do want to know the answer to that I wanna question. I want to know, do you, do you want to do family food? We could do family food, fine. Okay, you go first, because I went first okay. last time. Okay, the, 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 the question is, what is the highest age bracket for yes. getting a divorce? Yeah, and regard, I mean, as much as it matters mm. how long they were married, okay. let's just. What's the lowest bracket? I think 25 to 34. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to 25 to 34 is my answer. Uh, 20%. Huh? I'm guessing 45 to 54. 70%. Oh, wow. Nice job. I, I, I actually, <laughs> I have to confess. I completely just didn't understand the question. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You just went with it. That's a good husband right there. You're just rolling with it. I like games. I like to play games, even if I don't know what's going on. So 70%, 45 to 54. Yeah. Very interesting. Okay, okay. Now this is, and I've, I'm not polling anyone here. I'm just giving you my general feel before I start getting emails that tell me that I was wrong with where the, where I got my numbers from. This is my experience. I'm mean, right. you know, okay, yeah. I'm just making sure we know. Yeah. Oh, no, See, I understand. The lawyer, the lawyer has to disclaim. Oh, yeah, no, oh, that's you, good disclaimer. You think like me. I, I have disclaimers for everything. Okay, we're going to move on to advice now. And I have so many asterisks here because everyone wanted your personal advice on stuff. So oh, what gosh. are some things you wish couples would consider before they got married? How they're going to resolve conflict. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, what commitment they're going to make to, uh, communication and counseling because people forget that when you get married, you're going to, you're going to evolve over time. You're going to go conceivably from, you know, being single to married, uh, from being a husband, wife to a a mom or a dad or a parent. I mean, with, then you start dating again, maybe, I mean, you, you have all of these, you you both evolve, and the question is, is are you going to evolve in the same direction? And what are you going to do if you stop liking who that person has become? Mm. Because not everybody goes in the same direction. The other thing is, is um, the things that you don't see coming, the things that the other person didn't see coming. You might not expect there to be mental health issues or abuse or medical um, concerns. I mean, there's there's a whole gamut of things that you're not prepared for that could happen, and so you know, having those conversations, I wish people had in advance. I mean, it takes a lot of courage and a lot of really healthy communication. And sure, I don't, sure. I, I don't hear that as much. 
Mm. Well, it's funny you say that because we have a series on our podcast called Love Fest where we bring on happy, healthy couples. And Andy always likes to ask, how do you fight? How do you resolve conflict? Mm-hmm. And it's oh, amazing yes, like the, the variety you'll get in, yeah. in those answers. And then some people like deer in headlights, like, <laughs> yeah. oh, I don't want to answer this question. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, I do think, and I can say this because I have been this person dating mm-hmm. in the past, but you really focus on the connection you have and how great things are. And then the 5% where you're not getting along, you're like, well, it's not that often. So, you know, even though we don't really resolve conflict that well, you know, it's just such a drop in the bucket for how great it is. But I do think over time that can start to rear its ugly head in a multitude of ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So resol- So you would say number one, family food, resol- like learn how to resolve conflict. Mm. Make sure you can. Yes. Okay. Yes. And would you say talk money is like second? You know, I guess that's part of the having the hard conversations, right? Okay. They're under the same umbrella. So, yes, I think that's under the same umbrella. If you think about if people went into marriage understanding that there is going to be this partnership, um, I, you know, it's all that communication, having the hard conversation. I mean, there are some, when, when I have a consult, I'll, I'll ask a series of questions. And if the answers are, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, I know I, I immediately think, okay, well, it's going to be a lot of work. Mm. It's going to be a, a hard, it's, it, it's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to work through what's getting ready to happen. And there are just some things we could avoid. So, okay. So that brings me to my next question. And actually this one came up a lot. Let's say, you know, you want to separate, you know, it's time for a divorce. This is something, you know, you want, what are the, how do you get your ducks in a row? What are the best first steps? Oh, actually I want to just do a personal, I want to have a personal question for you on this one. What, (laughs) Okay, this isn't a funny question. I'm serious. Did you represent yourself in your divorce? <laughs> I'm a terrible client. Okay. <laughs> Can I just go with that? I am a terrible client. <laughs> I <laughs> do as I okay. say, not as I do. Mm-hmm. You can learn from my mistakes. And all the things that I would warn my clients about, the red flags, I mean, I experienced them and didn't see them coming. I mean, I was appalled and humbled and embarrassed. Can you list a couple of those red flags? So um, some of the red flags that I uh, would say are passwords. If things are password protected and you don't know how to get into them, that's a red flag. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't have like a, a shared account where all the password, like you need to know, especially if something were to happen to the, your, your partner, knowing where that is, um, where all your bank accounts are. Mm-hmm. Uh, what credit cards exist. If your um, phone is password protected and so is your account at insert provider name here, if you can't go and there's a, it's password protected, um, usually there's a reason. Mm. Wow. Um, I know. I mean, and I always, I feel like I'm such the bearer of bad news when uh, I ask the, those questions. And when half or more are um, inaccessible, no communication, like Mm. usually I can tell that there's either not a lot of trust that exists between the two or there's something that the other person doesn't want that person to know about. Very interesting. Then that's actually not what I would have expected. I was thinking more, I mean, I guess that is sort of behavioral, but 
you're right. Like that's sort of like it could be the tip of the iceberg. Maybe it's maybe it's just that one account and it doesn't matter, but it sounds like you've seen a few icebergs mm-hmm. in your day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's say it's time you know you want a divorce, you know it's over. What would you recommend are the first steps that someone takes? Like other than communicating how we're going to separate, mm. who's going to move out, how that's going to work logistically, because that's really one of the hardest things we have to accomplish, especially if they own a home together, because most of the time that is a couple's largest asset. Mm. So knowing how that's going to work and what one person can afford without the other person's income if it's a dual income family. Um, but the, but having a working balance sheet for your family, if, if everybody that came in had a working balance sheet that was up to date, reviewed annually, like having a, an annual family meeting to review it and where you want to go as a family next year, that sounds very businessy, but it would be great <laughs> if somebody understood what that looks like. I mean, and listen, I, and I can tell you in my confession, I had no idea. I was running law firms and people will come in and they'll say, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. I don't even know where our mortgage is held. Like our, mm. you know, I don't even know where we pay our bills. I don't even know this. And it, that's okay. I'm, a, I'm okay with that. But if you want if you knew this was the direction you were going, Stop. if you said, what advice would you give me? Mm-hmm. I would say, have a working copy of your balance sheet. Okay. So it sounds like getting a lot of those numbers like when you say the ducks in the row, a lot of those ducks, they have dollar signs in front of them. <laughs> um, money, you can't replace money. Mm-hmm. So, you know, focus on the things that are important to you. But I don't like the idea of someone having financial leverage over the other person because on top of all of these changes, you want to know that you're safe and stable and that you're able to take care of yourself and anybody you're responsible for. Mm-hmm. So that financial leverage changes things. Absolutely. And uh, um, so that is something that you should be able to have a little control over. You can't control a lot so much of it, but that, you know, having some uh, knowledge on that will save some of the struggle. It's funny you say balance sheet. It really ties back to what you said at the beginning about it being you going, you're going into business together. If you did have a business, would you not have that sheet? I assume you would. Yeah. Could you, can, you, can you also, if that's the case, should you like get investment rounds? Should you raise money for your marriage? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I have two final questions for you, and then we're going to let okay. you go. What is something you wish people going through a divorce or who are considering divorce knew? Is there something you would tell them like to make it easier or to give them the you know, leverage or whatever? I would tell them to give themselves uh, a day off from divorce to give themselves. Um, that was some of the, actually the best advice I got was when you, when you start in that process of knowing that this partnership that you thought was going to last forever is now not going to last forever. Um, there are, there's a really good chance that you're going to be in that fog. So um, there are a lot of things you're going to forget. So the two things um I usually recommend uh, is keeping a journal, writing down things that you don't think are important, and then or creating an email address that is just for this, sending yourself emails. And then when all of it's over, dump the email account. Mm-hmm. Like you don't need it. So, you know, put all of that in, in one place 
Uh, especially your lawyer will love that. If you end up needing a lawyer, you just send everything to the same account. It doesn't mix up with your work email or your home email. So having everything in one spot, it brings a little bit more sanity. Mm. And then also giving yourself a day off from divorce. So, you know, being really intentional about how that process is going to look and being okay with letting yourself have a day off. Okay. Because it, it does, it feels like a full-time job sometimes yeah. when you're going through it. Yeah. It sounds like compartmentalize it as best you can. Easier for some than others. I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Finally, Nicole, is marriage worth the risk? After all you've seen, what are your personal thoughts? You've said several times you're a marriage-loving divorce attorney, so I assume the answer is yes? Yes. <laughs> of course it is. Oh, it's a companionship and, uh, oh gosh, there's so many things that are great about marriage. So, yes. Okay. It is worth the risk. Did you did you break back in? Are you are you back in the marriage uh Yeah. Camp? What day What day is it, you guys? <laughs> Nicole, what a delightful guest you've been. Not only so knowledgeable, but funny and just easy to talk to. You're yes. a delight. I am looking forward Thanks, to the book. Guys. Yeah, me too. Ah, thanks, you guys. Nice talking to you as well. We will link below uh, the pre-order for your book, May 24th. I will be reading awesome. that. Yeah, and congratulations <laughs> on the book. And yeah, I hope I hope to meet you one day if we pass. I, I, I don't want to meet you again. Actually, <laughs> I would like not to meet you again. You can send us a I, Christmas card if you'd like. You know, I try to. Wait, let me show you my last. I try to come up with some humor, you guys. How about this one? Can you see this? Divorce doesn't have to suck. <laughs> love it. Sodoma love. Nice. Love it. Wait, are you saying that we should get divorced? You don't know <laughs> no, enough it's yet. it's a straw. It's a straw. Oh, it's, it's a, a straw. Yeah, it's a recyclable straw. Oh, my. That's a cute. I was just, just the tagline was enough for me. And it's a straw. Unbelievable. That's great. That's great. Isn't that fun? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Nicole, thank you so, so much for joining us. That was great. Thank you. Thank you, guys. It was great. Enjoyed it. Bye. Okay. <sighs> I loved her. You know, I got to be honest. When when you told me we were having a divorce lawyer on, I was just like, okay. Yeah. That, that might be filler. Oh, really? Yeah. But so I was just thinking, I, I wasn't thinking about it. I was just like, oh, that sounds... Uh. And now I realize it's a great guest to have on. <laughs> Why didn't we do this earlier? Well, it's funny you say that because I, the second this came across her desk and I had already been like stewing over it, I was like, oh, yes, yes, yes. And I, then we, we put out the poll on Instagram mm -hmm. yeah. for questions. And I was like, oh, my God, like, I don't know if we've ever had a response this active to a hot topic. There you go. Questions. People love divorce. And you were surprised for some reason, but I, was. I wasn't. I thought you'd get like five questions. I want to know what was your thought process? Why did you not think I this would think, be interesting? I think I just assumed that unless you're going through a divorce or like right about to pull the trigger on a divorce, this is not a topic you, you kind of want to put blinders on. Yeah. You're just like, I don't want to talk about divorce. I want to talk about how do I find the guy who... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who I texted 18 times and he never responded, mm -hmm. but he seemed to like me that first night. I, that's the question I expect. I don't expect people to care about divorce. Well, I think we touched on in this episode why people are so interested. And it's because no one getting married thinks they're getting divorced that's or right. else they would not get married. Right. So she has just seen things that the lay person just dating out in the world, yeah. it probably doesn't even occur to them. I thought it was so interesting, her red flag being... If there's something password protected, because, you know, 
when we're talking about dating and stuff, it's like, oh, respect each other's privacy. Mm -hmm. Like, you have your independence, blah, blah, blah. But really, the theme of this was really you go into business with the person you're marrying, a sort of business, and you have... Yeah, we we actually are in business (laughs) on top of business. Yeah. And it's true. It's like if someone has some secret thing off to the side, you know, it could mean nothing. It could be nothing at all, but it could also be... Like she said, a red flag, maybe that tip of the iceberg. And so it's just very interesting things that I'm not sure I would have predicted that that would have been the red flag she talked about, to be honest. Yeah, I I would have thought red flag would be more like, oh, he comes home late after work. There's like like other women's panties lying around the house randomly. That's a big red flag, especially if they're red. There's like red lipstick on his red shirt. (laughs) Comes home smelling like obsession number five. Is that a still a perfume? I don't even know anything. You just blended two, but two very famous ones. Oh, number five, Chanel number yeah, five, yeah. and Obsession. Yeah, and it's just Obsession. They, the merger would be Obsession number five. I like it. <laughs> I'm going to pitch that. Oh, wow. She was great. She's great. That's what you want. That's what you want. Any other surprises for you? For me, actually, one was that she felt the number of years that you'd been together, the highest she'd seen was like 11 to 13, 11 You know, to be full disclosure, I had heard that statistic before okay. from a reputable source. So I kind <laughs> of knew that that was around the danger zone. Okay. I was thinking that the question was, what age? at what age is it that you get married that's mm-hmm. the most likely to end up being divorced? Oh, that's what I thought the question oh. was. I screwed that up. Oh. Yeah. oh, we didn't ask that one. No. <laughs> But I know, I know the answer to that. That's why when you said family feud, I was like, everyone knows it's going to be the youngest yeah. bracket. Why are we doing that? Yeah, well, maybe. Not yeah, like how many 60-year-old people who get married at that age are going to get divorced in like 10 years? That's true. But apparently, and I did have a little bit of backstory with my family feud answer to the question that was actually being asked because I did not misunderstand <laughs> my actual, own question. <laughs> you did good. You did good. Was that it's more common than ever now that people in their 50s and up are filing for a divorce. Yeah, it's interesting. I've, 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 I was reading about some couple, famous celebrity couple who's getting divorced in their 80s. And I'm just like thinking like, that's, you must really, <laughs> really, really, really want to just not oh. be married. That's, think, that's an incredible decision to make. Well, I actually really love it because I think it shows a certain lust for life. You're like, right. It you know shows what? that you're, right. you haven't given up. You're not going to stay in something just because you're 80. You're right. Yeah. You want to live the rest of your life yeah. like with opportunity, with possibility. Yeah. That's such a good way of looking at it. I was looking at it a very dark and horrible way. Would you like to try on my rose-colored yeah, glasses? <laughs> Who knew? You know, I don't consider... My- <laughs> You, you look like you're in a video game. <laughs> yeah, it's too much. It's, my head exploded already. You know, I think one of the things I've learned, aside from all of the wonderful wisdom she shared, is that I am an inherently optimistic person. <laughs> I believe you are. Who knew? I didn't think I was. <laughs> yeah, you are. Okay. It's good. Andy, Balance me out. do you have anything you want to add to this wrap up? No, I think we did everything. Yeah. We covered everything. So quick reminder... Please don't say you're sorry. An empowering perspective on marriage, separation, and divorce from a marriage loving divorce attorney. Great title. It comes mm-hmm. out May 24th. Nicole Sodoma. She was lovely. Lovely. If you enjoyed what you heard today, you can keep Dear Shandy in business. And you can do so by... How can they do it? Tell me. <laughs> Liking, subscribing, hitting the notification bell. It's right there. 
Very easy. Uh, Following us on Instagram, following us on TikTok, telling your friends, leaving us Apple and Spotify podcast ratings and reviews, and generally doing all the things you would do to support a podcast that you enjoy and that answers your questions anonymously for people like Nicole Sodoma. Yeah. And to keep this marriage in business. (laughs) Yes. Nice. That's a good callback. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time on Dear Shandy. Bye. Dear Shandy.